I talked with you last time about the house of the Lord. I tried to show you how we are not to consider any physical building as God's house. And I also said, but I did not necessarily prove that there will not be another temple built in Jerusalem. I showed you from more than one place in the Bible that God does not and will not dwell in any kind of a man-made building. His desire from the creation of Adam until today has always been to dwell in, with, and among his people. Now these thoughts are foundational to what I want to share with you today about the Antichrist. So if you weren't with us last week or it was somewhat confusing or you're not sure about everything, then I invite you to go back and listen once again. You can find that message. It was called The House of the Lord. Uh, You can find it on YouTube under my channel at Dale Hill 47 or podcast on Anchor under Practical Bible Teaching. The title is The House of the Lord. But it is foundational for understanding what we're going to talk about today. In the history of the West over the last 2,000 years, there's never been a time when someone hasn't been predicting the end of the world. It's always been there. Also, since the introduction of the rapture theory in the mid-1800s, there's not been a time since then when someone was not predicting that event as going to occur possibly tomorrow. And of course, now with a seemingly insoluble climate crisis, pandemic surges, wildfires, hurricanes, and even a as I'm beginning to understand, a renewed nuclear arms race. This seems to be no time to stop the predictions. Everything is looking like we're about to fall apart. Now, our Christian tradition tells us to be on the lookout for the Antichrist who will appear shortly before the big finish. Vast amounts of Christian ink have been used by authors and painters and what have you, just trying to work out how and when this Antichrist will come and just how we might identify him when he does. So today I want to talk to you about this one whom so many fear, who it is, and how we can recognize him. Now, I already know that I'm not the first, and I don't have a new idea. But it's in the scripture, and it's something we need to consider. The word antichrist is only found five times in the Bible, and then only in John's letters. He didn't use it in his gospel. He didn't use it in the book of Revelation. And Jesus never used the term. It's also is not found in Daniel. It's not found in Ezekiel or any other Old Testament prophet. The other verses which we interpret as being the Antichrist all have to do with some sort of a vile personage. We know that. And according to John in his letters, the Antichrist spirit was already at work in his time. 
In his first letter, we read in chapter 2 and verse 18, Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. And then in his second letter, in verse 7, he says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now in this verse, the definite article is in the original Greek as we have it, and I have it highlighted. The word the is the definite article. John says that this singular antichrist is made up of many deceivers. You see that? Singular antichrist made up of many deceivers. So, is it possible? Could he possibly be referring to something other than just a single bad guy? Something for your consideration. What about this next verse? In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 22, he says, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Again, the definite article is used in the original. Now, if you can recall your high school English, okay, I've done that to you before, keep making you go back to your high school English, the definite article refers to something specific, not generic. If I say, give me a book, you're at liberty to grab any book around you and hand it to me. But if I say, give me the book, then I am talking about something specific that is probably obvious to you, okay? But I'm wanting that specific book, not any other, other one. Now, that's what we have here with this phrase, the Antichrist. It is something specific. However, that something specific is comprised of a multitude of people. That is, anyone who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, are you tracking with me so far? In 1 John chapter 4 and verse 3, he says, And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. John says that the spirit of the Antichrist was already in the world. He said it was there shortly after Christ had left the earth. Now, there are other verses that have been taken to refer to the Antichrist, that is, this specific bad guy that many are looking for. Willie, I got a cough. <clears throat> Didn't want to blast the thing. Now, one of those verses that speaks of this vile person is found in Matthew 24. Excuse me. where Jesus was talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. In Matthew 24 and verse 15, he says, So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. That line, let the reader understand, is most likely Matthew's insertion into what he was writing. Jesus wouldn't have said, let the reader understand. <laughs> So it's obviously a reference to Daniel's word, Daniel's prophecy, in two different places. In chapter 11, we read, 
Forces from him shall appear and profane the temple and fortress and shall take away the regular burnt offering and they shall set up the abomination that makes desolate. And then in chapter 12 and verse 11, and from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Just as a side note, 1,290 days, uh, three and a half years, time, times, and half a time are all the same thing. Okay? That's what it's referring to. Now, Daniel prophesied some 600 years before Jesus. The temple was desecrated in 167 B.C. when Antiochus Epiphanes sacked Jerusalem and sacrificed a pig on the altar. Now, many have taken this phrase, abomination that makes desolate, that phrase, and made it apply to the future coming of the Antichrist. Now, this can only happen when Matthew 24 is relegated to the future and not taken as fulfilled in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Question, why would Matthew insert the thought that the reader needs to understand something that is not readily apparent. Daniel's prophecy was literally fulfilled in 167 BC. Could it be that there was a greater or spiritual fulfillment yet to take place? The desecration that took place in 167 did not render the temple completely desolate or destroyed because it was restored just a few years later by the Maccabeans. So, Jesus' prophecy is possibly speaking of the utter destruction of the temple, which did occur in 70 AD and has never been rebuilt. As I tried to show last week, a physical temple made of brick and mortar is not in God's plan. He has something far greater in store, as we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So what we have seen so far is that there were many antichrists already in the world shortly after Jesus left the earth. Now, we have no reason to believe that that's changed. Okay, that it's still there are many antichrists in the world. The characteristics applied to these types of people are still evident today. Liars that deny that Jesus has come in the flesh. Many people, however, are looking for that one particular individual who has been painted by our preachers and writers to be a singularly vile person. Now, there is scripture that is used to present the basis for some quite elaborate descriptions. And one of those is found in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25. He shall speak words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. <clears throat> we also have descriptions in the book of Revelation along this line. However, the most for me, the most telling prophecy of this person is found in Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians, where he writes, 
Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Now, the key to understanding all of this is found in the phrase that I've highlighted, and I imagine some of you are beginning to make the connection of where we're going. But I'm going to take a little side road first. What is that? It's what? Mark of the beast. Okay, 666, mark of the beast. That's what many say, according to what we read in the Revelation. In Revelation chapter 13 and verse 18, it says, This calls for wisdom. Let the one who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is 666. Now, there's many applications that have been applied to this, okay? And you're all aware of them. Our Social Security card is the mark of the beast. Right now, most currently for those, for some people, taking the vaccine is the mark of the beast, okay? I don't know if you've heard that yet, but it's all over the Internet. Uh, we've had the vaccine. We've had microchips, the chips they put in your dog to help locate it if it gets lost. They're going to put in us, and that's the mark of the beast. There's all kinds of things. Another thing that's, that's used is that we can take the number 666 and by using what is called gematria, which is the assigning of numbers to a letter, we can come up with a name. What I mean by that, you know, like the letter A equals 1, B equals 2, C equals 3. That's called gematria. In my lifetime, now I wasn't alive for Hitler, but Hitler's been one of them. Reagan has been the Antichrist, and so is Kissinger. Those three. But also, Nero has been identified as the Antichrist. I think uh, the Emperor Titian or Titus was also. But as you can see, trying to use Gematria to figure out the name of the beast or Antichrist is actually going to be an exercise in futility. I don't want you to do it, but you can probably figure out a way to make Dale Hill become 666. Okay? It's quite possible. Let me try to unpack it for you. The phrase I have highlighted here, the number of a man, is interesting because in the Greek language, there is no word or letter for the indefinite article. In English, we use the word, which is actually a letter, A, as the indefinite article. Remember, indefinite article is either A or an. It's an if it precedes a word that begins with a vowel. An apple. You don't say a apple. You say an apple or a book. Okay, that's, in, that's enough English for the day. Now, I gave you the illustration already of the difference between the book and a book. Now, this applies here. It is not a definite person, the indefinite article. But once again, we have what I've taught you before about the use of the genitive and the preposition used with that case. It is basically an interpretation. So the phrase literally reads, number of man. Okay? I highlighted the letter A or a man in blue because it's not there because they don't have that. So the literal reading is number of man. 
Now, numbers in the Bible have a definite significance. They have meaning that goes beyond the simple counting of something. All right, I'm beginning to run out of time. Let's see. I can't go into how we came up with these, these meanings, but the law of first occurrence gives us a clue. So I'll cut to the important one for now, the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. Okay, The first time the, letter, the number six occurs is in creation on the sixth day, and it was the creation of man. The number six is the number of man. It's the first time we see the number six. So whenever we see six, we think in typology or in symbolic language, there's something there about man. Now three is the number of completion. It takes three lines to complete a plane. I can have two lines and I don't have a plane, but when I have the third line, I have the first possible plane, a triangle. Okay? So it takes three is the number of completion. All of our sense of time is done in three, past, present, and future. All of our comparisons, good, better, best, bad, worse, worst. We do it in three because that's, that's the number of completion. So the number 666 is the number six three times. It's three sixes. Six is the number of man. Three is the fullness or the completion. Three sixes is the fullness of man in his humanity. So let's look at our verse again. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Where's the temple of God? It's not in Jerusalem. Where is the temple of God? If we believe what Paul said, that we are the temple of God, then this vile person, this man of sin, this antichrist, takes up his seat within man. There's a philosophy in the land known as humanism. Maybe you've heard of it. You may have heard it in the phrase of secular humanism. But it's a philosophy known as humanism. Humanism basically says that man is the supreme being. You are all you need. There is no need of a God outside of yourself. Humanism makes the individual the center of his or her universe. Humanism is the most anti-Christian teaching to ever come upon us. It's more anti-Christian than atheism. Humanism is the Antichrist. And just like the Antichrist is a counterfeit Christ, humanism is a counterfeit of what God is doing with his people. Hope you're starting to make some connections. I'll have more to say about that counterfeit of what God is doing and humanism later on. But the ladies will shoot me if the food burns. So we'll stop here. But humanism is the fullness of man in his, I think it says somewhere in his overweening pride setting himself up as God in the place of God. 
So do we need to study the philosophy of humanism to find out? No, we don't. But we need to be aware of those things that constantly bombard us from the news, the various media, the arts, uh, movies, songs that make us the center of our universe. It's the philosophy that is affecting the church. And we are not the center of our universe. God is. And we need, to we need to make sure that what we're learning and believing is God-centered, is Christ-centered. Because the philosophy that's out there is designed to take us away one little bit at a time. And I could spend a long time taking you just through the things that have occurred in our lifetime and show you the humanism that has crept in and been bought by the church. It is my belief that the Antichrist is not a singular person, but just like that the Son of God is taught in Scripture as being Jesus and the body of Christ, a multitude of people, so I see the Antichrist as being a corporate person.